chapter number 12, and I'll let you remain seated for just a moment, but I wanted to uh, share with you just a little bit about Father's Day, and of course, um, I was thinking about Vacation Bible School. We included some of these invitations in your bulletin this morning. You should have a couple of these nice brochures that we put in there. These are invitations. If you do us a favor, find uh, three, maybe it's a parent or a child this week, Give those invitations out to someone. Don't just leave them in your car and don't, don't lose them, but, but steward them, give them out to somebody. And listen, I'm gonna tell you something. We're gonna be glad we did when we've got a house full of, of boys and girls that are here, uh, this, not this coming week, but the week after for Vacation Bible School. We sure appreciate your help with that. And, uh, and this morning, when I think about fathers, I, I was reading about how that this one family before his son took the old family car to college. The father loaded the trunk with uh, soft drink bottles. And the reason he put these soft drink bottles in the car was each one of the bottles was filled with oil or radiator coolant or transmission fluid. And the father was just being a dad. He knew that this was going to be something that was going to turn to be a good thing. And so he put all these in the car And uh, sure enough, the old car, as his son left for school, the old car overheated just like he figured it probably would. And his son, when the car overheated, he was upset with himself because he thought, boy, I I should have really listened to my father's instructions. And so what happened was he got out of the car and he popped the hood and he looked down at the motor. And as he looked at the motor, he saw how well his father knew him. You see, the, as he looked at the motor, the oil cap was labeled Dr. Pepper. The transmission stick for the transmission fluid was labeled Coca-Cola. And the empty coolant container was marked Mountain Dew. I think we've got a picture of this here where uh, it, it just kind of gives us a great illustration. Do we have a picture of that? There you go right there. See the Mountain Dew there, and of course his dad, he got in the trunk and found all that and was able to put everything. How many of you know if you have children, it's good when they put the right fluids in the right places in the car, right? And so when I think about you know, this, this boy, because of his father, he was able to safely get to his destination. I also heard about a company one time, true story, they held a contest for kids, and the theme of the contest was the nicest thing my father ever did for me. And so the winner of the contest, this is what he wrote. The nicest thing my father ever did for me was he married my mother. And uh, you know, dads are special. Fathers are very special people. And this morning we're going to look at the most wonderful father of them all in Luke chapter number 12. If you're able to stand this morning uh, physically for the reading of the word of God, I invite you to join me as we read a couple verses here in Luke chapter number 12, and the title of the message this morning is The Father of New Life. We're continuing with our Sunday morning series on on the new life in Christ. And so in Luke 12, verse 29, the Bible says, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things, what we eat, what we drink, He says, all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. 
For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's read that last verse together where it starts with the words, for it is. All right, let's read that together. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you... How many of you know God wants to bless your life, right? God is good all the time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this privilege and opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we're thankful that we know you as our Savior. I pray that if there is someone here this morning that does not know you as their Heavenly Father, that, Lord, today they would open their heart and receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. Now, Lord, bless the Word of God. Bless the preaching. Lord, I pray that it would fall on receptive hearts, listening ears this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. I think about God. Why is our Father, our Heavenly Father, so special to us? Well, the biggest reason is because He is the one that has given us new life. And when I think about how Jesus talked about His Father in the Bible, it's kind of interesting when you study the Word of God in the New Testament, you find that Jesus referred to God, His Father, as my Father. Matter of fact, he referred to him that way 53 times in the gospel records where he called God the Father, my Father. Jesus not only talked about the Father, but listen, he, he also didn't just call him my Father, but he called God our Father. When you see those two words together in the gospel records, you see Jesus used that phrase 21 times in the gospel where he not only said my Father 53 times, but our Father 21 times. And of course, clearly, Jesus is showing that all who believe on Him or in Him share that same relationship with God the Father in heaven that He Himself shares. It even gets better than that because Jesus actually calls God, listen to this one, your Father. He said, my Father, our Father, but 21 times in the gospel, he calls God your Father. There's a connection that Jesus is making between God and man. And this morning, I want to look at that as we consider the Father of new life. I want to look at how He is our Father. We're talking about God the Father this morning. So notice, first of all, our relationship with the Father. Uh, in your Bible this morning, or there in your notes, if you look at, at chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 29, the Bible says here that if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither do ye of doubtful mind. Look at verse 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In other words, this relationship that we have with the Father, it is, first of all, a personal relationship. See, when we got saved, or the Bible says when we were born again, we became a child of God. At salvation, we were brought into this personal relationship with God. Romans 8, 15, ye, were not, ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, what's the word? 
Abba, Father. See, look, we were already in bondage in our sin. Before we got saved, we were our slaves to sin. But when God saved us, God set us free, God had given us liberty, and we are no longer under the the bondage of sin. We have been adopted into the family of God. The word adoption literally means to place as a son. Look what John writes here in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. How many of you know that if you're saved this morning, according to God's word, you have been adopted into the family of God? Isn't that a wonderful thing this morning? You see, it's a personal relationship. In this matter of adoption, it gets even better. Because when you see in Bible times, when somebody was adopted, they became a son, they're brought into the family, here's the best part. They're given the same rights of a child that was physically born into that family. The Bible says that we are not only heirs, but we are joint heirs with Jesus. You know what that means? Everything that's his belongs to us. We are a part of the family of God. I love that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Hey, it's a wonderful thing to have a personal relationship with God the Father. But look, it's not only personal, but it's a profound relationship. Because when you think about this, before salvation, how many of you remember what it was like before you got saved? Only a couple of us? Listen, I know where I was. I know where I was heading. I know the life that I was living, and praise God, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not living that life anymore. See, before salvation, the Bible says in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I mean, folks, look, don't ever get over your salvation. It does us well sometimes to stop and think about what it was like before God saved our wretched soul. Hey, I'm I'm constantly thinking about how good God has been. Why? Because according to the Bible, lost sinners are doomed and they are condemned already to what is known as a Christless eternity. So you're either going to spend eternity with the Lord or you're going to spend eternity without the Lord. Look what it says in John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, what's those next words, is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you like the song as much as I do? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, But now I see. A sinner becomes a saint. They become a child of God. It truly is amazing. Look, although God referred to himself as father to his children, the nation of Israel, 
God says, look, I want to be your father. I am your father. In spite of God referring to himself in that way, Israel as a people struggled with the fact, listen, they were not used to this intimate relationship with their Jehovah God. And so when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament of our Bible, and Jesus was born of a virgin and walked on this earth, and Jesus started, started calling God his father. That kind of boggled the minds of Jews. They weren't used to this relationship. It was a new concept to them. As a matter of fact, to some, it angered them. The disciples of Jesus, they revealed a different name that we can often use when we speak to God. Look what the Bible says in Luke 11, these verses. It came to pass that as Jesus, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John has taught his disciples, and he said unto them, when ye pray, look at these words, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice how Jesus taught his disciples to pray the name, the intimate name. When they pray, Jesus says, you can go directly to him. You can pray, our Father. See, the disciples, when they watched Jesus, and they witnessed how Jesus had this amazing prayer life, they wanted that for themselves. They wanted that intimacy uh, with God. They wanted access just like Jesus had with the Father. And so what does Jesus do? We read the words this morning, how Jesus gave them the name Father which when you look at it, the Aramaic word is Abba. Now, this is a neat word because it literally means daddy. Some of us as fathers, we remember, listen, it's one thing for the children to be born and to do the gaga, goo-goo, and all that stuff. And, and it's even a wonderful thing to hear the little child say mama. But there's nothing like when you hear the child say daddy. For the first time. It's a wonderful thing. And he says that this word is translated in our English language by the word daddy. It is truly amazing that where God found us and what God did for us. I love Psalm 40, how the Bible says about my life and so many, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings, and he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Hey, listen, folks, this relationship that the Bible tells us about, that God wants us to have, it's a personal relationship. I hope you know him as your Savior this morning, but not only that, it's profound because of where we were when he found us. You see, before we ever loved him, he loved us first. But see, I see another aspect of this relationship is that, and this is a good one, it's a permanent relationship. 
When I think about the relationship, I mentioned this matter of adoption. It's kind of amazing we live in a day where children don't like the situation in their family. And I've seen it on the news where legally children are trying to bring lawsuits against their families to get out of the family. Do you know that that might be possible according to man's laws? But when you study this matter of adoption, here's what's interesting about it. When you're adopted into God's family, it's forever. It's eternal. In Bible times, adoption could not be undone. It's a wonderful thought this morning. How uh, Listen, a man had the right maybe to disown his own natural children, but not an adopted child. That was one for life. That child could never be disowned by their father. See, we today, as we think about this relationship that we have and how personal it is and how profound it is, but listen, how permanent it is that we have that same guarantee with our Heavenly Father this morning. Look at John 10, 28. Great verse here. I give unto them what kind of life? Eternal. How long is that? It's forever. And look at this. And they shall never perish. That's what the Bible says. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Peter writes these words, we who are kept by what? The power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, if you got saved, you did not save yourself. You didn't do certain things to be saved. God saved you by his son, Jesus. It cost him the blood of his own dear son. But because we are saved, We have a relationship now with the Father. You see, it's personal. It is one that is very profound, but it is permanent. It's for all of eternity. When I think about this Father's Day and this new life that we have in Christ, I think about the Father of new life and the relationship that we have with the Father. But notice I also see from this passage this morning, Luke 12, his responsibility to his children. Boy, everything changed when I started bringing those kids home from the hospital. (laughs) I now had to grow up. I now had responsibilities. It was no longer about me. I was now a father. I had a family to take care of. Can I tell you this morning that when you study the Word of God, not just here in Luke 12, that our Father in heaven understands His responsibility far greater than any other man that's ever been born. And when I think of his responsibilities to his children, notice that, first of all, he is aware of our needs. He is aware of our needs. Look what it says in verse 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father, what's that next word? Knoweth. Your father knoweth that you have need of these things. Things. How many of you know that God knows what the needs are in your life today? Yeah, God knows what those are. If you never said one word to him, God knows what you have need of today. Many of you this, this morning came with a burden, maybe, maybe uh, something physically, maybe something emotionally, maybe something spiritually, and maybe something financially. Look, you are his child this morning if you are saved. And according to the word of God, God is aware of your needs. And the Bible says here in verse 30, he knoweth that you have need. Those words have need, 
That literally means that our needs are many. There, there are uh, many needs in our lives, but one thing about them is that they're constant. These needs are something that are always there in our lives. We certainly are a needy people. And God is well aware of what our needs are. He's aware of everything that affects his children. Look what it says. If you have your Bible open there, look at verse 24 of this same chapter. Look at these words. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Look at verse 26. If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? What is, what is Luke saying here? He, listen, he's trying to help us understand that nothing happens in our lives that goes unnoticed by the Father. Uh, taking it a step further, listen, nothing happens in our lives that is not according to God's plan. All of us know this verse, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together. Look at the words, for good to them that what? Love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. So look at it again. God knows that how many things work together for good? All. Everything that's happening in your life. You look at it however you want, but I know this, God is aware of our needs, and He knows that they are many, and they are constant, but I'm thankful this morning that God is aware of everything going on in my life, and in the words of Job, He knoweth that the way that I take, and when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. See, God is aware of our needs this morning. It's his responsibility to know what our needs is, are this morning. But notice this, not only is God aware of our needs, God is able to meet those needs. How many of you are glad for that? You know, his coffers are full. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. Understand this morning, God can meet your need. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we ask or think. So notice when he says here, look at verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things, what's that next word? Shall. Is that a promise from God? Yes. God says, look, you keep me first. He says, I will take care of you. That's my responsibility. He's your father. He has the ability to back up the promises that he makes. If God can speak the universe, and he did, into existence, God can take care of you and God can take care of me. If God kept Noah in the, safe in the flood, then God can take care of us. God fed Elijah with the ravens and he put meal in the barrel and he put oil in the cruise. And listen, 
he, he put life into the boy of the widow in Nain. He kept the three Hebrew boys safe in the burning, fiery furnace. He kept Daniel secure in the lion's den. He fed Israel with manna and quail in the wilderness for 40 years. He killed Goliath for David. He took care of the disciples in the storm. He parted the Red Sea for Moses. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He walked on water and many other things that Jesus did as God. But listen, I think that if he is able to take care of all those things, God can and God will take care of you. You know why? Because God is able. God has the power. God, look what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is what? Able. To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. A lot of times we can't see how in the world this is going to work, where this is going to end up. As human parents, many times as fathers, we fail, I have failed as a father to meet the needs of my family. But I'll tell you this, God has never failed. God has always met the needs of his children because God is able. See, God is aware. That's one of his responsibilities. God is able, but then notice the third responsibility, and I love this one in verse 32. God is available to us. Aren't you glad you don't have to get in line for God? Boy, I get tired of waiting in lines. You can go to God anytime you want, and guess what? He's always there. He's always waiting to hear from His children. God is available to us. Look at verse 32 again. The Bible says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can you imagine what the story of the prodigal son would have been like if when the son came back to the father, that the father says, look, you're going to have to get in line, make an appointment with my secretary. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he went running to his son. He threw his arms around him. He welcomed him back home. He put, he put shoes on his feet and clothes on him, ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf. Hey, listen, he loves you this morning. And understand that God is available to us. I love in verse 32 where the Bible says these words, it's his good pleasure. You know what that means? It's, it is God's choice. God has determined. God is ready. He, he wants to be pleased. And listen, this morning, God is determined to be ready to do that which is good for his children. God has made himself available to us. I love what Jesus said when he was on this earth in Matthew 11. Look at these words. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds to me like he's available. God is there for his children. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Think about how many daddies that have walked away from their children, walked away from their families. God says, that's not going to happen with me. 
I am available to you. Look at Matthew 28. We know this is a part of what's called the Great Commission. And the Bible says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And here it is again, lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know what the Bible's saying there in many other places? God is always near. God is always available, day or night. You see, this morning, when you think about God's responsibility as our Heavenly Father, God takes His responsibilities seriously. And listen, God is, He perfectly executes all of His responsibilities. So you think about this this morning. It all begins with a relationship. And then we understand as we enter into that relationship, what kind of relationship we've got ourselves into, that we have a heavenly Father that loves us, that is well aware of our needs, that that is able to take care of us, that is always available to us. But then notice where our part comes in. Notice thirdly this morning, what is our role in this relationship to the Father? This is where we're all at this morning, not just fathers this morning. But all of us, you see, we count on God to do his part, but you know what we do? We oftentimes fall short on our part. We don't do everything that we should do as his child. Well, what are we to do? Notice, first of all, we must have faith. Go back in our passage in Luke 12, look at verse 29. The Bible says in this verse, Seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, Neither be of doubtful mind. See, we're commanded here. God says, I don't want you to have any doubts in your life. I want you to live your life by faith. This means that this matter of of doubtful mind needs, needs to be agitated or to be harassed with cares. It's a term that oftentimes describes a ship that's being tossed about in a stormy sea. It's being bounced around like a bobber. And look, God says, I I don't want there to be any worry in your life. Why? Because he is our father. He is saying to us, child of God, don't allow your mind to be tossed up and down with worry. Don't doubt, don't fear. I'm here for you. Jesus, many times trying to help his disciples and those that he spent time around, he challenged them and he's challenging us from the word of God today. To learn to trust the Father. You see, no matter what the circumstances look like in our lives, no matter if you can see the end of the tunnel or not, don't count God out. Look what Jesus said in Mark 9. He says, if thou canst believe, look at these words, they're Jesus' words. All things are possible to him that what? Believeth. That word is synonymous with having faith in the Father, having faith in God. We serve a God who is sovereign. God is in absolute control today. Look at Mark 11. Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So look, what is our role in this relationship? The first part of our role is that we must have, but notice secondly, 
We must be faithful. Now again, you see the word faith there in the word faithful. Look at verse 31 again, what it says here. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Notice again, he says, seek ye the kingdom of God. He's saying, be faithful. The word seek there means to crave after. What are you craving in your life? I'll tell you this, if you've been saved, then your focus in your life has changed. It's no longer about you, now it's about God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. See, he says here, crave the things of God. We are to desire the things of God above all other things. We're to put God first and we're to keep God first in our lives. You see, Dad, you want a better home? You want a better marriage? You want your children to look up to you? Seek ye first the things of God. Put God first. Keep God first. And when he is first, you won't have to worry about the rest. See, a lot of times people try to please one another. But I have found in my life that when I'm pleasing God, everything else seems to fall into place. And that's what we, we see from this passage this morning. Even when we fail and we ignore God, can I tell you, God still remains faithful to us. Look at this verse here. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. God goes on being our father, but we'll miss out, listen, we'll miss out on God's best for us. Are you being faithful to your faithful father this morning? See, we must have faith, but we must be faithful. God is truly the most wonderful father of all. The question this morning is, is he your heavenly father? Have you had a time in your life when you've come to the place where you realize that God loved you? He loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for your sins. Why? So that you can have a home in heaven someday. That you can spend all of eternity with him. But you know, watch this. The wonderful thing about this relationship is I don't have to wait until I get to heaven someday. You see, he lives in my heart today. He's a part of my life today. All that began for me 35 years ago when I came to the place where I realized I was a sinner and that Christ died for my sins. And by putting my faith, believing on the Lord Jesus, I, I quit trying to get my way to heaven. I quit trying to live a certain way. I realized the only way, Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Do you know Christ as your Savior today? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Because I'll tell you what, if you are saved this morning, this message this morning should have just encouraged you on what you already know about this relationship and how God will fulfill his responsibilities to us 
But maybe for some of you that are saved, it reminded you that while we live for God, that we need to fulfill our role. And that is that we must have faith and we must be faithful to our faithful God. Would you bow your heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? I wonder today if you're sitting here in this auditorium and you've heard the word of God, you've seen it here from Luke chapter number 12. And you're thinking about this relationship that God's words describe. And I wonder if you have had a time in your life where you would be honest this morning with God and say, Pastor, I know that if today was my last day on this earth, I have no doubts. I know for sure that I would spend eternity with the Lord because I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've accepted God's gift of eternal life through Jesus. How many of you could raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's my testimony. I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. Would you slip your hand up this morning? What a wonderful sight. Many hands up across the auditorium. You can put them down. Maybe when, <clears throat> when I asked that question, maybe you could not raise your hand. But I'm glad you're here this morning. God certainly is glad you're here. And you were honest. You did not raise your hand. Listen, you can, you can, you can pretend and think you're going to go to heaven someday, but unless you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you this morning may be hearing this for the first time or first time in a long time, have come to the realization that you're not saved. And God has shown you the truth this morning. His wonderful love for you and how he gave his son that you could have a home in heaven someday. How many of you this morning would be honest by an upraised hand and say, God has spoken to me this morning in this area of my life that I need to accept Christ as my Savior. I've never done this before. I've never had a time that I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin, come into my heart and be my Savior and I want to take care of this before it's eternally too late. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Pastor, I need to make that decision. God has been speaking to me this morning. Would you raise your hand where you're at this morning? Anywhere at all in this auditorium. Just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Anyone at all. I'm not sure that heaven would be my home. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Lord, if there is someone this morning that does not know Christ, I pray that they would take care of that before it's eternally too late. Bless this invitation. Lord, I pray that as you have spoken to your people this morning, not just fathers in this auditorium, but all of us, God, may we come this morning and be thankful that we serve a faithful God, a wonderful Father who takes care of our every needs. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning as the piano begins to play? God spoke in your heart this morning. Whatever your need is, maybe you just want to come with a grateful heart this morning thanking God for who he is in your life. 